Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Hey, I got a new podcast coming. It's called Theory. Don't you know? This is Theo Rossi. Our world is changing. For many of us, it'll never feel the same. The important thing to remember is that we are all in this together. And that's some of what I want to talk about on my new show, Theory. We're going to discuss the things that no one ever does. The real talk, the sacrifice, and the struggle that everyone goes through. My life has kind of put me in a unique position to see things honestly. This is Theo Rossi, and my new show, Theory, launches on April 8th, officially on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts. Make it to May without beef talk here. Uh, just about to come on the podcast, and you've got to send me send me news like that. Our friend uh, Ben Baldwin of the Athletic sent it to me and said, "Don't show you." Um, I was in a you know, great and I, mood, and I, I commented that you. I mean, you like uh, you know you like like steaks and stuff, so maybe beef is, you know, the right way for John Lynch to sort of talk you off the ledge with a Kinlaw pick. Well, uh, let's, let's talk about that in a second. Uh, here's what we've got today. We're going to do a little intro. Obviously, Andy Dalton just got, um, got released. So we're going to talk a little Dalton, a little Winston, um, a little Saints action maybe. We'll talk about that Niners thing. And then we've got Seth Galina, new PFF, uh, PFFer, I guess. Uh, he's written some great stuff. He wrote something on Fields and Lawrence, which – we talked about uh, before the draft. So we'll talk to him about that. Um, and then Kev Cole is going to come on and we're going to talk Jalen Hurts um, because he wrote a really cool piece on that. We've been at the forefront of saying, hey, this is a good pick. Um, so that should be fun. Uh, I think we're going to try and do some more interviews. Actually, I have an idea to pitch you at the end. So don't let me forget that. Okay. Um, but for now, let's rock. Uh, that's where the, the music will play. And it's awkward doing that live because I just never, never feels right. Um, do you want to explain to the people what uh, you were referencing for the beef? Oh yeah, John Lynch said that uh, you know he was noticing um, how uh, you know the the big guards um, of the Seattle Seahawks were wearing down their interior, and he needed to get bigger. He needed some beef, um, which uh, I think our friend Ben had a great like Galaxy Brain meme, which was like the final, the galaxy brain thing was running so much that your opponents do suboptimal things in the draft. Yeah. Let me see if I can find this. I'm tagging this thread, aren't I? I've got to be. <clears throat> um. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what, I don't know. I mean, 
I was saying to you, like, and I don't mean to stick the knife, and I've been trying to be wearing my chief shirt. I, I've been trying to be, I've tried to be very, uh, you know, cognizant of the fact that the Niners losing the Super Bowl was not fun for you. Right. Um, sort of. I, I thought, I think so, right? I mean, um, you were great. You do wear in- a lot of Chiefs shirts, but I don't think they're purposeful. I think that's just what you have. Yeah, I mean, well, but they were, you know, you were gracious in defeat, and I've tried to be uh, equally so in in victory. Um, but the they should have. God, you think to yourself, like, you know, teams that sort of have the window is the window sh- thinner for the Niners than we thought. Like going into the game, I think we all thought the night this game is more important to the Niners, right? Because there's so many things to them that are yeah. a little bit fluky. Whereas Kansas City sort of has quarterback coach, they'll be back a bunch of times. Like, this is an interesting way to talk about the Andy Dalton thing because, like, what's the what's the difference between Andy Dalton and Jimmy G? Like, is there is there that big of a gap between the two of them? And I do think I do think there is a gap, and I, I think it's in the mentality. I think it's the way that they can actually get players to want to play with and for them. I would take Jimmy G a hundred times out of a hundred, but from an on the play, you know, point of view, um, there is, there are a lot more similar similarities than there are differences in terms of the, you know, they're going to be accurate. They're not going to be Patrick Mahomes. And when you have a quarterback like that, your margins are just thin. And the, the Niners had so many things go perfectly right for them last year, right? Richard Sherman is pretty much healthy the whole year. Yeah. They get, um, you know, great coverage health overall. They draft the guy, Nick Bosa, who turns out to be awesome. Their defensive line stays pretty much healthy. They get injuries on the offensive line, but those guys are mitigated because Jimmy G gets rid of the ball quickly. They pick up Emmanuel Sanders. Debo Samuel turns out to be really good. George Kittle has the best season we've ever seen from a tight end. They have Raheem Mostert, a track star, show up out of nowhere and stay healthy for that whole time. Uh, all of those things worked perfectly in concert. And a couple of those things are liable to go wrong at any time. And the issue is thinking that thinking that all of those things that went well for you last year are just going to stay the same. Then, yeah, sure, beefing up your defensive line is great. But you have to say, okay, well, what if things go wrong? If they go wrong in this place, and let's take, for example, the receivers or the coverage unit. If things go wrong there, are we in more trouble than if we don't have beef along the defensive line? And that's where the answer is yes. So I understand where John Lynch is coming from. The issue is that you're not thinking about what could go wrong and what likely will not go as well as it did last year. Right. And, and you know, I'm in firm, you know, I, I think Jimmy G is a sort of middle of the pack quarterback. Uh, you know, the reason that I would, you know, buy into him if I didn't have a choice to have an elite quarterback is I think that he does have, sort of the, you know, and this is, you know, yes, it. he has a moxie that people will get behind, which I think if you have, if you're not a good quarterback, like that's, you know, if you're not a great quarterback, there's something, there's some value to that, but you know, and, and I think Dalton has a little bit of it too. I think it waned near the end, but you're you right. Do. I mean, these are sort of like equivalent sort of pl- players, um, you know, and, and I just, you know, when I look at, when I look at, you know, the, 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 49ers even going into the game I'm thinking to myself like this is a prime opportunity to you know to yeah. cash in 
And when I look at it now, it's like, you know, the best thing that happened to the 49ers over the past, you know, three, four months is that the Seahawks and the Rams got worse. Not that they got any better. I'm with you. I mean, so Jimmy G, 13th highest graded quarterback last year, Andy Dalton in 2018 uh, was the 13th highest graded quarterback through the end of the regular season. Like performance on the field wise, sure. But um, Jimmy G, I mean, and I'm looking at the quarterback annual right now, and I think it's really funny the the different pictures we have in there for them. Jimmy G is showing enthusiasm. There's a genuineness to Jimmy G that with Andy Dalton, and this is not like Andy Dalton by all accounts is an awesome guy, but it's just the disposition. And his seems, I think, probably a little more forced. Um, And, you know, obviously didn't have the same success that Jimmy has had early in his career. So I I would take Jimmy. Uh, The Kinlaw thing, it's it's hard to hear John Lynch say that, but the the solace comes from they still made better decisions than the, yeah. the two other really good teams in the division. Now the Cardinals are catching up, but like the Rams and the Seahawks, I thought both made far more subpar decisions. And that thirteenth pick was like an extra pick, right? Um, you know, which is which is solace for me, I guess. The Kinlaw the- could be great. I mean, that's the one. That's the one nice thing is at least. It was before the before the the Buckner trade. We were just going to have Buckner in there, and we're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And now it's well, at least we have a guy that you know is going to be pretty good, and we don't have to pay him a lot of money. That's me convincing myself everything's going to be all right. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, I, I wonder. I wonder there. Uh, you know, I, I mean, wish at least they didn't pick a running back. Well, I wish <laughs> that's true. And, Speaking you know, of ways to bulletproof your team. Yeah. Well, and then, are... and then the Bashad Breland stuff, you know, uh, what the hell was that happened the other day, uh, which I think the Chiefs knew about. And so that's why they took Ladarius Sneed and some guy named Thacarius Keys or Bo Peep is his name. Is that um, really his name? I was calling him Booby for like, you know, the first like three times Seren called me about him. And I and then I realized it was Bo Peep. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> neither team. I don't even know what to say there. Booby miles. You know, the, but, um, it, do, uh, this is a random question. So the Friday night lights, the, the TV show and Friday night lights, the actual movie, the, the TV show gets way more, um, props obviously, but like the, the movie was really good. And Booby miles is a great character and we don't talk enough about the movie relative to the TV show. Yeah, I agree. I, I yeah, um, I agree. So let's talk Put about Booby Dalton. In. For let a Booby spin. Let let let's talk about Dalton for a second because everybody and their mother is saying Dalton to the Patriots, and I, it could happen, but I don't see it. Yeah, like so, g- give me because I have a couple teams in mind. Just off the top of your head, three other teams that are certainly likely or should be likely that aren't the Patriots. Yeah, because the Patriots have one point seven million in cap space, and I know Joe Tooney is 14.7 uh, of that, but it's, it's not like they have room for Dalton. They'd have to make a move to sign him, or he has to take like a Jameis Winston deal and they haven't even signed their draft picks yet. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um, unless they make a drastic move, which I like, are they trading Joe Tooney? I mean, they can figure it out. There he is. Seth, what's up, brother? I guess his audio is connecting. So he can't hear me yet. Uh, yeah. Well, he's connecting. Let so, me give so you, here are the teams give you a that couple I, teams because you I asked you for teams and you just gave me reasoning. I'm going to go Broncos, I think, are up there because um, he would be a wonderful backup. 
Uh, Bears, obviously, I think there's no way that, that Foles makes it through a whole season. And then the last one that, that I'll throw out there um, is, is the Jaguars, just because maybe they are trying to win this season. And like teams do things like that all the time. So I wonder, I, I think there's a significant chance that he's not signed until training camp. I, I think you, you could be spot on. Zach, I mean, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How you guys we're, doing? We're talking about Dalton and uh, Oof. like the, the idea that maybe the Patriots aren't like a foregone conclusion. What's your stance on that? I, I truly believe that the Patriots are tanking for one of the quarterbacks no. next year. No, I just, I just like at some point, like welcome to the club, man. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I think it's just more fun that way to tell you the truth. I'd like yeah. to see another team win the division. Just out of just like some parody aspect to that division. I'd just love to see someone else have a home playoff game in that division. Okay. Here's my, here's my take on the Patriots and why I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. They bring in Dalton. There is a chance that Bill Belichick believes that Jared Stidham is, has the potential to be Andy Dalton this year and maybe better. Let's say he thinks that. It gives him more variability. So it gives him the ability to, to sort of elegantly tank, also to <laughs> potentially win on defense, which I think is what he really wants to do, and gives him the, I think, more flexibility next year. So I don't think they tank, but I think he's prepared to do whatever it takes to move up for the guy he wants. Because I, I just can't, you know, having talked to a couple people that have spent time with Bill Belichick, and Chris is one of them, like, they've just said this guy literally couldn't forfeit a snap, much less a game. So, I, while I think he sh- he's smart enough to understand the value of it, I think he'll do it elegantly. But And the other thing is, this tanking doesn't need to be de- determined during the season, right? Because, like, the Lions were 3-4-1. and one. And then Stafford gets hurt. Now they, they have right. a third pick. So, like, they don't have to. Yeah, you can go into it with every intention of winning, and then you can see Jared Stidham play a game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Jared Stidham. I'm not sure if it's going to work out for them. If they What about what about a guy like Cam? Like, why, why not go after a guy like that? That's more of a – if you're talking about a one-year guy who could really go either way, and then, it, you, like you said, it's like elegant tanking. You seen, have you seen, are you on Instagram, Seth? <laughs> yeah, I'm on Have you on seen Instagram. Cam Newton's Instagram? I have seen Cam Newton's okay, Instagram. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say that that would give you a pretty good inclination of why he won't be a Patriot. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, they just don't have enough money, do they? And I, and I know that Belichick wants to win, but is he real? he's never been willing to sell next year for this year has he ever like out the Sanu signing or the Sanu trade was sort of like he probably one, hated that an example of that but like he's never really been uh particularly uh thrilled to you know loot you know to to give up the future for the present and I agree with you so I do think that you know I think that he's a the perfect quarterback to tank with and b uh you know uh, probably they're playing in their plans this year um, all right. That was, that was fun. I had a couple of things. So Seth, you are um, new to PFF, but you have already made it a nice little impact with some of the great writing that you've done. Um, and we, whenever someone comes on the podcast for the first time, we like to ask a few normal ish questions. Uh, and 
that, so I, I have a couple off the top of my head. The first is your drink of choice. I'm a big, so this is going to be very Canadian of me. That's the idea. Yeah. But, um, we have the bloody Caesar in Canada and I believe you guys only have the bloody Mary. So uh, the well, bloody, yeah, Ce- bloody Mary, bloody Maria. I've never yeah. heard of this bloody Caesar. <laughs> so the bloody Caesar is the exact same thing, except it has the Stout tomato me. juice instead of the tomato juice. So the, the clamato is like, is like clam juice mixed with tomato right. juice. So that's interesting that you say that because it's whenever not I make, trust me. No, no, because I, I like Bloody Marys. Yeah. And I happen to think I do a very good Bloody Mary. And the key to a good Bloody Mary is using Clamato. Right. Well, that, and that's a Bloody so Caesar. So am I really just I'm making a Bloody Caesar then in your Dude, book? I can't wait for George to be like, hey, you know, I kind of make, I kind of do a shitty job with like scrambled eggs. Um, you know what? Like George has always been like, I do a great job making this dish. Well, if I don't, if I don't do a good job with it, I don't make it anymore. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. Well, I think the first thing I would say is probably don't put the clamato in the scrambled eggs. That would be yeah, like my first thing to yeah. Um. Okay. That. So that that's a great answer. Um. The second question is uh, food oriented. Um, you have to eat one meal only for the rest of your life. What is it? It's the garnishments that come with the bloody Caesar. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is what? Bacon? Yeah. It's like, I actually hate that. I was like, if I'm going to order a, a bloody Caesar to drink, then like, I don't need it to come with a full bacon cheeseburger on top yeah, of right. it. Like I'll just order the bacon Some sliders. Yeah. <laughs> a charcuterie board on <laughs> yeah, top of the exactly. drink. Exactly. So like, yeah, I'm not super into that trend. Uh, like I'll eat like the, you know, the pickle, not the pickle, the, uh, what it was, a cucumber or like a yeah. celery stick in, involved with the bloody Caesar. That's fine. But like, I don't need a cheeseburger with it. In terms of food, uh, I have, this is also very specific to where I live. <laughs> I grew up with this Hungarian salami okay. with mustard on a Montreal bagel. There is nothing that beats that in the whole world. What's a Montreal bagel? I mean, it's it's like it's our it's our bagel. I mean, there's no difference than, um, it's than New York. Bagel. It's a regular bagel. It's just okay. like our, ours is better, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> is it like it like so that the common joke about Montreal is that it's like it's like you know snooty French Canadian? Is it just like a is it like a stuck up bagel? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's better. It's more dense than your bagels. Okay, so our bagels suck so much. So it, it can't be. It can't be much. It, can, it has to be better by definition. The, 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 the biggest difference is the density. Like it's it's a thicker. You know, it's a meteor. Like you really can sink your teeth wow. into it. Type of situation. So I'm really excited talking about yeah, bagels. Really are. <laughs> um, it's bagels are a high variance thing. You can get good bagels. You just have to seek yeah. them out. They have to be fresh. Okay, uh, let's let's get into Lawrence first fields and maybe some other guys. Um, everyone should go check out your piece on uh, the two guys. Eric and I had a, a good debate about the two um, before the draft, and our um, projection system liked fields by a hair, uh, which is appropriate given Trevor Lawrence's look uh, over over Lawrence. And we kind of had this debate. You know, we talked about it. There are a lot of things that we really liked about Fields. And I I guess I want to start off with what's the biggest advantage that each one has over the other? 
Lawrence's advantage probably in the minds of, of in the kind of subconscious minds of, of decision makers in the NFL is probably his look. He's, he's tall. Um, you know what I mean? I remember one time when Darnold was still playing at USC, there was a broadcaster doing a game who said, he just looks like a USC quarterback. And I find like, that's great. With, yeah. With, with Lawrence, honestly, that's what you're getting. And that's why honestly, like, Unless he, unless he has another season where he's just not as good uh, as he was as a true freshman, then I, honestly I can't really see him not going number one because it's he was anointed two years ago. He had that great season. How can, how can he not go number one when he's Trevor Lawrence? He's he might win two national championships. You know he's going to finish his career like with a you know, 45 and two record. It's just, it's hard for me to believe that he won't go just because of all that kind so, of off the field stuff. So if his biggest advantage over fields is not football related, does that mean, does that mean that you would say that fields has the advantage in all the football categories or. Like I, I, you know ball? what? I yeah. liked, I liked what I saw from fields. I still think, you know, you hate to use the word like potential and stuff like that, but it feels like when he puts it all together, Lawrence is still the, the best quarterback. And honestly, he's like the best quarterback that I've seen since, since luck probably. And maybe even before that, who knows? So, but the problem is like, we, we want to believe he's going to put it together and we want to believe that he's such a good quarterback. And then we look at what he did last year and he, and he, he wasn't that quarterback. So what fields can do is just stay consistent. And I don't dislike Fields. I think he's a, a very good quarterback. And the thing with Fields that I find interesting is when I watch him, obviously he grades super well for us. And like you said, he, he, he inches out um, he inches out Lawrence by a hair. But when I when I watch him, he doesn't wow wow me with it, everything like Lawrence does. Like with these, like you know, Lawrence is throwing like corner routes to the field and out routes to the field on time. Like it's amazing. Fields doesn't necessarily do that. But then you go back and you're like, wait a minute he didn't make any mistakes this game. Like every throw was exactly where it should have been very accurate. So he doesn't wow. Now obviously the, the running ability does. He's, he's, a, he's a good runner and stuff like that, but like from the pocket, he doesn't wow you. And then you're like, wait a minute. He, he just didn't throw a bad pass this whole game. So I think that's the thing with fields where, you know, and, and maybe again, maybe that's more of that off the field stuff where he, people are going to look at him and say, Oh, maybe this is just, Maybe this is just a little better Jalen Hurts. Like, he'll go oh, top wow. five, but he's, like, not I, – I, I, I don't know. Like, I think he's very, very wow. good. I just think the look of him, he's not, like he's, – he's thick, but he's not, like, tall like Trevor and – Yeah. I mean, he's 6'3". Yeah. He doesn't – like, I, Trevor looks like a quarterback. And I, I hate to put it like that because I think Justin Fields is deserving of all the praise he gets. I just feel like when it comes to this type of situation, and it's why a guy like Justin Herbert can go six overall, because Herbert and Lawrence look alike and Fields doesn't fit that mold, I feel like that's why even if Fields has a, another great season and Lawrence doesn't, I just feel like Lawrence still gets the nod when it comes to the actual draft. Well, I, I don't think, Seth, that you have to you know apologize for the you know the implication that 
decision makers in the NFL make a lot of biased choices, you know, <laughs> based, you know, based on things that don't matter. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and, and granted, all of this is, I think, um, littered with hindsight, but the fact that Lamar Jackson was given a ton of scrutiny for being inaccurate in, at Louisville, but Josh Allen wasn't at Wyoming, right. It is, you know, we're all the fact that, you know, there are tons of Blaine Gabberts, but relatively few Geno Smiths and even Geno Smith is taken around later. Like there's tons of like, yeah, I mean, we forever have been conditioned to think that the sunshine from uh, remember the Titans is like the right way to be a quarterback. Right. And that's, you know, and we know that that's false, but you know, people, it takes a long time. I mean, it's why, you know, Daryl Morey had to tell people, you know, in his scouting department to stop talking about how a player looked in the scouting reports because it's mostly bullshit, right? Like, it, you know, just as George said, Fields is six foot three. Like, it, it shouldn't matter if he looks dumpy, right? And, or, you know, and <laughs> dumpy is Fields is a perfectly normal looking human being just because he doesn't look like the guy that you grew up seeing at the Abercrombie and Fitch store as you walked by. Uh, you totally had ball. some Abercrombie and Fitch like vest. Nope. True story. I never owned a single thing of Abercrombie Fitch. Remember, I played uh, sports. I played basketball my whole life, and I played AAU basketball in East Palo Alto, which um, in the 90s was an interesting place to play, early 2000s. And uh, I was all Nike all the time. I never owned a single Abercrombie and Fitch piece of apparel. I I, I used to make fun of it. I played in my Abercrombie and Fitch apparel. Wow. See? Yeah, underneath my football pads. <laughs> now, I, I'm not trying to brag here. I look like a complete idiot. Basically, <laughs> I still do. But uh, at least I never uh, bought into that. So, okay. Um, some things that you mentioned that stuck out to me. So you say, okay, the thing about Fields is you go through the game. He doesn't make – and you describe this. And you in the article, you have a clip of it. Everyone should go watch it to understand it better. But, like, from the far hash – Lawrence throwing a corner out, just perfect time. I mean, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And then you describe Justin Fields and you say, you go through the game, you don't have that moment that sticks out, but you recap it and you say he didn't make mistakes. And that, honestly, we've heard people compare Jordan Love to Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert, you know, has these wild throws. The thing that I've been waiting for people to compare to Patrick Mahomes is not making mistakes. That's what Patrick Mahomes does that makes him so valuable. The dude simply doesn't make mistakes. Drew Brees is another guy that's like that. I am so much more willing to accept that as a plus trait than I feel as though most people would. So when you say those two things for each of them, I actually would rather have the guy that goes through a game and I go back and I say he doesn't have mistakes. Right, but I think the only thing with Lawrence is – we'll see what happens when we have two years of data on two years of film on fields, because, you know, we have to go back and say as an 18 year old true freshman, he also didn't make a lot of mistakes either. Yeah. You know, Trevor Lawrence. Now he, he didn't play the whole season, right? I mean, it was kind of a, I think from week five, well, he, they, they, they gave him a lot of stuff. They could keep him off the field. I mean, they yeah. knew right away and they knew he was better than Kelly Bryant. Um, and then they made the switch. I think week, after week four. What? So uh, one of the things that I like to look at is, um, You know, in the NFL, the most common throw is a horizontal lead. Um, We know that play from a clean pocket is more stable. We know that throwing the ball downfield adds value. So I I went and I looked at uh, quarterbacks that include this upcoming class, along with Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. Um, Six to 20 yards downfield, 
horizontal lead throw from a clean pocket. Burrow's the most accurate, 80.7% uh, of his throws were, were catchable. Justin Fields, also 80.7%. Trevor Lawrence is ahead of only Jamie Newman at 71.6%. Now that on his face goes, oh, wow, Justin Fields, you know, really good at this. But then I look at the number of attempts, and I think this is what concerns me maybe most, is Ohio State had about half as many attempts as some of these other schools. And it makes me wonder, is so much of what they do scheme-oriented that Fields doesn't have to make those throws enough and that it catches defenses more off guard? And, and so the, the accuracy numbers shouldn't matter as much. I, that was going to be my next point, actually, because when I, when I watched the Ohio State offense, a lot of it was – you know, when they play against these these Big Ten teams that are going to sit in, like, cover four, which is not what you're going to see in the NFL, and they're going to play with the corners off, he, they just throw 10-yard hitches, they throw six-yard hitches on the outside, and that's it. That's that's their game. Now, they did have a good game plan against, and, and I guess Ohio State always has a good game plan against Don Brown's Michigan defense, who runs a lot of man. But that that I, even that I felt like was very schemed up. Um, I remember a play where they, they're able to like get people open through picks and rubs and stuff like that. But I, I didn't think during the season up until that point, they didn't have, they had a great plan against man coverage. And a lot of that has to do with, well, who's going to play man coverage against Ohio state. Sure. Like I remember like, uh, this is my own, this is anecdotal, but you know, when I coached at, at the, the top program at my level with all the athletes we had, we just never saw man coverage because everyone was afraid. And I think that, you get that with Ohio State a lot. Would, you know, and that's another thing that, um, that the Ravens have taken advantage of, right? Because, because of the fact that Lamar Jackson will absolutely kill you running the ball, whether it's a, a design run or not, you get certain defensive looks. And is Fields a guy, like, I think the same is true of Jalen Hurts. Now, neither of them are Lamar Jackson, but can you dictate some of those looks because of the guy you have a quarterback and will you not get those looks because of Lawrence? And in that way, is it should we take more at face value what they're doing in college? That is a good question. I think that Lawrence, the funny thing about Lawrence is it feels like every time they want to use him more in the run game, he really excels there. And I think his, his grade and just his rushing grade for us is, is actually very high. So I think you can actually get some stuff that you maybe didn't think you would be able to get from Lawrence in the running game, and that could still help you dictate coverages. I, I do wonder about Fields. Is, is he a guy who's going – is he a – in the NFL, is he a zone read type of guy where you just say, okay, we can read the end and we can, we can boot him out? Or is he a Jalen Hurts, Cam Newton? Okay, we can design a scheme where he is the primary ball handler. I'm, I'm not sure. Honestly, like I, I, I'll have to see another year of tape on him just to kind of know for sure what type of runner he is. So that for me is the interesting kind of dilemma where it's like, if he's just a zone read type of guy, then no, you're probably just going to get the same looks you'd see for any other quarterback. But if he is a power guy, he can run the, the, the inverted veer like Lamar Jackson does, then that changes, changes things a little bit. Right now, and I, I thought I came away from reading your article. I like wasn't totally sure. 
I think I know which way you're leaning, having heard you talk here. You, you don't get to see another year of film. You have to take right now one of the two, knowing that what Lawrence did, as you called it, on the front nine last year was shoot four or five over. Uh, and Fields put it together for basically the whole season. But you have that little bit of extra Lawrence film, and you know the potential ceiling of him. You got to take one of them uh, right now at number one. I'll go with Lawrence because and we, I think you guys talked about it on a different podcast or, or, or maybe uh, something else you guys were doing just about like playing at a young age against older kids and being able to dominate, I think is important, you know, coming in as an 18 year old, never having taken a snap at co- in college football and then going out there and dominating for, you know, when, once he became the starter, I think that's super important. I'm also biased. Like, like at the end of the day, I like pocket quarterbacks. Uh-huh. I like guys who, who can go through reads. And he did that as a more – not that Fields can't go through reads, but like we talked about the Ohio State offense compared to the Clemson offense. They're both simplistic in a way, but I did feel like, you know, you talked about the horizontal lead throws. Like they asked, they asked Lawrence to do a little more yep. than Fields did. So like – if you add in that degree, uh, Lawrence of had only Burrow through more of those throws yeah. th- that I described. Yeah. If, if you add in that degree of difficulty, I think you have to go Lawrence. With that said, with that said, that first nine games or seven games or whatever it was of last year, uh, that's not a draftable quarterback. Period. It, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's bad. I mean, I, I think I put in an article like uh, his accurate pass rate was thirty six percent. And that's not, that, that's not that, like I said, it's not draftable. So that's why, yeah, it's tough. Like, I don't, I, I want to say Lawrence because I saw yeah. it in 2018. But Eric that, but called you, you a bagel snob. Eric called you a bagel <laughs> snob. It turns out you're also just a QB snob. I think yeah. we all are to a how, certain how you, degree. I, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. Eric, we both went fields. Uh, have yeah, you been I mean, convinced at all? No, not, I mean, I can, I can see. You know, the fields thing where basically, you know, you're looking at competition and all that kind of stuff and the type, you know, the the type of play. But it is also his first year with, you know, in terms of experience. Um, so there there could be, you know, an acclimation that I think he has or even a, a change to make, you know, his life, you know, not harder, but ask him to do more NFL things, is, you know, is is uh, second year there. Um, how do you square the fact that, you know, last season, at least in my opinion, the big 10 offered harder competition week to week than the ACC did? Because to me, that's part of the issue with, with Lawrence as well is you had more and you had more high end receiving talent. You played in a weaker, in my opinion, conference against weaker opponents and, and then once you had the test that was LSU's defense in the national championship game, you know, granted LSU's defense and play, you know, LSU's defense wasn't even all that great last year relative to what we expected. And he, he struggled with accuracy in that game mightily. So like there are just issues with, with Lawrence that I have, it doesn't necessarily make fields better, but to me, I'm with you on the, on the concerns about Lawrence. I, I think so. Two things. I think, the accuracy accuracy thing with Lawrence is even in the in the true freshman season, he doesn't you know his accuracy accuracy percentage is not super high. It's not even like obviously Burrow is lights ahead, light years ahead of everyone else, but it's not even close to Burrow. It's I think it was like the whole season it was like 
50% accurate pass rate. So it's like, that's not even great. Uh, and the other thing I was going to say with, with fields is, okay, we talk about, yeah, the, the level of play probably is a little better in the Big Ten, I agree. And even, even when he had to play some of the better defenses, he, he didn't look completely out of place. Like I'm thinking about at the end of the season when he had to go, you know, Jim Leonard's Wisconsin defense, and then you play against Brent Venable's Clemson defense. For us, he grades like in the six, I think it's both the games around 75 or something like that. I mean, those are two great defenses and he still performed admirably in both. Like he didn't, he didn't, you know, it wasn't like a, he went like five for 20 or something like that. He didn't look like Trevor Lawrence against the LSU defense. And he honestly might not have looked like Trevor Lawrence against the Ohio State defense in that same game. So I have to give Fields credit. Like, like I said, those are my biases coming out because I'm like, oh, Lawrence, look at him. He, he throws a ball. He, he's got great you know, movement in the pocket. You know, I talked about Justin Fields adding extra hitches to his game. And it's like, yeah, if you compare it to Lawrence's 2018 tape where he looks like he's already playing in the NFL – it doesn't look good that he's like kind of, you know, at, not the timing isn't there on his throws and stuff. But if you look at Fields as a true sophomore, that's fine. Like, yeah, so you, you can find ways to, to kind of get that out of his game. So I don't know. I go, I kind of go back and forth in my mind a lot with this. I'm going to say Trevor just because whatever, he's, he looks good. He's, well, he's here's, the, good. here's the exciting thing. So last year was just to uh, no one else. This year we have two guys that were stoked to watch. I, I'm, excited for a college football season for the first time in like I can't remember when and maybe it's because it, there's a chance it doesn't happen but that's neither here nor there I want to get at you, get you out of here on this you covered LSU all year you saw Joe Burrow is there a Joe Burrow in this in this class a guy that we're not talking about right now doesn't have to play for a big program but a guy that jumps into the top pick conversation or becomes the top pick over this year hey uh as I think about the answer, I'll give you one guy um, who's like, he's not, he's not going to be the top pick. He won't even get drafted probably. Oh, but I got to put him out. I got to no, wait, 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 wait. I got to put him out here. I know who this is. <laughs> yeah. I was looking, I was trying to, I was looking through, through our grades and stuff, trying to find some guys, especially from the group of five level who, who could, who maybe could play, you know, when we look at our, our stable metrics, clean pocket, drop back passing, that type of stuff. And the guy who kind of stood out was this Buffalo quarterback named Kyle Van Trees. Josh Allen. Buff- yeah, exactly. Josh <laughs> Allen. Uh, the Buffalo Bulls quarterback, uh, Kyle Van Trees. And he grades well. You know, he's like the top, maybe the top three returning player in the group of five in terms of clean pocket, drop back passer. Great. And he became the starter in week uh, four of the season last year. And he was great in the 80s. Very good. So I went on to the Bulls website and I said, oh, look, uh, like, what, what's the deal with this guy? Like, what's his background and stuff? And the first picture is him punting a football. And I said, what's going on here? And Kyle Vantries was the Buffalo Bulls starting punter until he became the starting quarterback in week four. So if anyone, if anyone that you're not, you're not thinking about might climb up the boards, it's our punter okay. quarterback. Kyle I, need, I need one name that might get drafted. Okay, I think... I think that I think De'Eric King is a super interesting example. I like it of a guy, Eric's who, guy. Yeah, but here's here's my thing with 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 King, and I, he grades super well for us in his year at Houston under I believe Kendall Bryles was the OC. So Kendall Bryles' offense is the is the kind of what I call like modern run and shoot, where it's like 
We have literally no one else but one player running a route, and it's a vertical option route, and no matter what, you're throwing the ball to him. So that type of offense, if you're hitting those plays, is going to grade super well. I mean, that's just they're, – they're big-time throws all, all every play. You know, you look at – you know, UCF runs the same thing, and we see how good their quarterbacks grade uh, usually. Yep. Now, Derek King goes from that offense to the air raid in Holgerson last year and doesn't perform as well. Now, the whole team kind of was bad, um, but – he doesn't perform as well. So now he goes to Miami and he gets another air raid offensive coordinator, Red Lashley, who was at SMU last year. I'm curious to see if he can evolve his game from just that modern run and shoot style to being able to throw horizontal leads on Y cross on mesh and all that type of stuff. So he's the guy I'm kind of interested in the most. If he can improve like that, I think he's a, he's, he might be a first round quarterback. So he's kind of my guy in that, in that range. I love it. Seth, this was a lot of fun, man. I'm, I am really glad you're a part of our team. Uh, I've already enjoyed your work, and we'll have to have you on here again because this was a blast. Cool. Thanks, guys. Adios, amigo. That was Seth Glean. If you don't follow him, by the way, uh, you need to. It's at PFF underscore Seth. His, he's good at Twitter. There are those of us that are not as great. He's pretty good in general. Um, I feel seen. I think I'm good at Twitter. You are. I, I would promote you the same way. You've improved also, which is you'd like to see that, right? Yeah, I've improved as to how, like not getting into arguments over dumb stuff. Well, I don't know. Quarantine has been tough for all of us. <laughs> I, 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 I certainly don't do the personal news tweets. That, that is, and that's a big growth uh, step for you. No, you're funny. You're very funny. That's why we get along so well. Um, that was great. Seth is awesome. Kev Cole is going to jump on with us here in a sec. While we're waiting um, for Kev to jump on, a piece of news that we didn't get to was, was Jameis. And here comes Kev. And I'm sure he'll have a nice take on this. What's up, Kev? What's going on? We Let were looking rustic as usual, Kevin. Yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> haven't changed. haven't got out of the quarantine uh, hideout yet. I mean, it's, we're going to have people guessing, like, where in the world is Kev Cole in, in hiding? Um, we, we were just going to Eagles fans. I'm hiding from Eagles fans right now. Yeah. Right. I can't uh, believe Eagles fans would be upset at the idea that they got a good quarterback in the draft. That's well, the thing that I don't get. Let, let's jump, let's jump right into it because, uh, so if you haven't read, uh, Kev's piece, it was, it has one of the best titles that I think we've had for an article, which is Jalen hurts. Wasn't a good pick. It was a great pick. And the, the way that you explain it and the way it goes from good to great is really really cool. Um, and I will start off with the reason I think Eagles fans are so mad and have you respond to that Eagles fans believe that Carson Wentz religion aside is actually like the savior of the Eagles franchise. Well, and they want offends- him to be, that's the, that's where fandom, that's well, where fandom but, but goes want wrong. And belief, right? Want and belief are, are crossing here. Yeah. People want things so badly as fans that they truly believe it. And so they see this as a, as a direct uh, shot at that belief and feeling. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. I mean, I think that it's kind of weird because I think the pick is more about Jalen Hurts from the perspective of the Eagles coaching and front office than it is about Carson Wentz. Um, But yet the fans view it the opposite way. I mean, famously, the fans hated us for saying they had a good offensive line. And I think that was because 
that could be used as a reason why Carson Wentz was good, right? Like oh, they, wow. they want to say he has the worst receivers. He's, he's not, you know, especially in comparison to Dak Prescott. I think they take, there's a lot of things between the, between the two of them. So yeah, anything to attack Carson Wentz, is, it seems to be off limits yet. You know, some people were calling for Nick Foles to stay before. So, you know, they're kind of all over the place. I think they like to the infight, but they don't like outsiders saying, Hey, Carson Wentz may not be the, the savior that you think he is. I mean, we got, we got some flack for saying that Davion Taylor was going to be a good player on the pod the other day. Mm-hmm. And I just, you're absolutely right. I think that there's a huge aspect of like, this is our dumb team. Don't, you know, they might be a dumb team, but it's our dumb team. Don't talk to us about it type of thing. Well, here's, this happens with every fan base. So I'm a great example of this, actually. Like I probably irrationally feel confident about Jimmy G as a quarterback because I root for the Niners, right? Now, I try very hard to make sure that I'm not, so I think I'm, I'm pretty close to, to mean, but it's almost impossible to like truly strip that out. Now, there are you know, places where that divergence is greater, the difference is greater. So my question is, where would you guys right now put Carson Wentz out of 32 quarterbacks, and where do you think Eagles, maybe supporters, or people that don't like this pick on average would put Carson Wentz. Uh, I mean, I'll start here. I mean, I was looking through some of the numbers. So, you know, he had that good 2000, I mean, a great 2017 season um, MVP ish sort of level, not on the Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watt, I mean, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson sort of level, but but in the last couple of years, he's been in that 11 to 15 range. I, mean, I think it's fair to say he's maybe number 10, number 11, something like that. And this is in a league now where, you know, no Tony Romo, no Peyton Manning, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is coming and going. Uh, Philip Rivers has fallen off. So a lot of guys have fallen off. So I, I feel like that's still... No Jameis kind of Winston. Un- yeah, no Jameis Winston. I feel like it's kind of unimpressive, honestly, to be the 10th quarterback now than it would have been maybe five years ago. But that's yeah. that's basically where I would put him. I, I have him. God, it's hard, right? Because the entanglement with him, with him, um, he played with like. I mean, honestly, George, you, you and I might have made more of an impact playing receiver for them last year, right? I, I think he's like a top twelve quarterback. So here's here's his grades. You alluded to this, Kev, and I thought this surprised me. I looked this up last night because I did a hit for Philadelphia radio, and I was expecting him to just rip into me. So I tried to be as armed as I possibly could. And I was pouring over Wentz stuff. Rookie year was an atrocity, whatever. 2017, the MVP type year, 85 grade, sixth overall. 2018, 80 grade, 14th overall. And last season with, you know, absolute disaster at wide receiver, 16th overall, uh, 76 grade. And I'm in the same place. I think that's low given what he's had to work with, but I don't think it's, I don't think you you cut that in in half. I don't think he's top seven. Um, maybe maybe eight nine is is fair. Like I like Carson Wentz. I think he's a good quarterback. And I don't think the league. I think the league is deep at quarterback, but the top tier is thin, right? Like I think you legitimately. I was having this conversation with um, friend of the podcast Robert Mays, and I said tier the quarterbacks for me. I think tier one has one quarterback, and. He agreed. Like, I legitimately think tier one might just be Patrick Mahomes. So that opens up this kind of wide swath. But if you have a guy that's 10th or 8th or ninth, 
that doesn't mean that you don't take more shots at QB. No, I mean, I agree. I, I think there's definitely, there's like an anchoring effect also here. So 2017, his performance, people would not say sixth best. They would say much better than that. But the thing right, is, right. he made a lot of these kind of high leverage, third down conversions, things like that, which ended up being very strong. And that, that actually put him into uh, number one by some EPA type of metrics for that. But it wasn't the most stable sort of stuff. And the fourth down stuff. They were so aggressive. Yes. So, so you have that. And then, so I think people are looking at it. It's kind of like, it's just like anything. Like if you have a, a stock or your house and you're in a down market, you don't want to sell. You don't want your anchor to that highest number. So Wentz has that anchor where a lot of quarterbacks, when you mentioned Garoppolo, maybe if Garoppolo continued that five win streak season where he first started and, and had a great, a great um, season, like a longer type of season, people would be still anchored on him right now, but they're not because he hasn't shown that, that consistent high level play that Wentz showed for a while, but then regressed from. I mean, the, the, the endowment effect is huge here, right? The fact that something that you own is worth more to you than it would be on the open market. Like, well, how much do you how much do you think the Eagles would cover Carson Wentz if he were openly available is really the question. And I don't think nearly as much as they do now that they've bought into him. Well, they showed that, right? Because they made I said this at the time, like the move that they made to sign Wentz when they did, I thought was one of the smarter moves they've made. Right. Like it showed their understanding of where to buy into something that is valuable, but to try and avoid overpaying for it as much as you can. And to me, that shows that that's indicative of why they made this move too, right? Like we have bought into Carson Wentz, but we're not naive. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like that, that thing you mentioned about there only being one person in tier one. So in my opinion, almost anyone else in the NFL, I mean, maybe you could say Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson that you wouldn't want to make this type of move, but it, it kind of opens it up for anyone else. And unfortunately, a lot of teams just think only if, a quarterback has come to the end of his, his useful life, whether he's played himself out of a starting position just by being benched or his contract comes up, then they start to think, okay, let's address that quarterback position, but the timing may not be right. The right player may not be available. You need to rebuild. You have a rookie season. So this is just being proactive. And I, like I said, I think this is, you, you let the player in the draft drive your decision here more than you let your opinion on your own quarterback. Cause unless you have Patrick Mahomes, everyone should be looking at this at least to some degree. Uh, well, right. And, and Patrick Mahomes, the other thing with Wentz, right, is like the injuries are, should be concerning a little bit, right? Anytime you have like a back injury a couple of times, I mean, how many people do we, I, I know like five people that have had this like chronic back issue and it's the chances when you hit them up and you're like, Hey man, do you want to do this? Like one out of every two times, like, no man, like my back is fucked again. It's like, okay, <laughs> well, you know, like, and obviously Carson Wentz is a pro athlete, but that means he's also taking you know, far bigger hits in these situations. If you're not thinking about that worst case scenario and preparing for it, you're just not doing your job, right? Like that's the Eagles front office job is to say, Hey, we need to be prepared for both sides of the situation, the best side and the worst side. I mean, the, the injury injury, the injury history is a little bit more extensive. I think than most people know uh, he sat out some in high school with elbow issues in college. He was, injured multiple times and, and missed games. Uh, you remember the broken rib, even going into his rookie season where he didn't miss any time, but he got a broken rib. And then, of course, um, the ACL issue, elbows, elbow soreness after his rookie season, also where he didn't throw for a while. So there have been a lot of things going on with Wentz, and not all of them have even caused him to miss time. There have been additional things that haven't caused missed time also. Should we tier the quarterbacks? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious here. 
Yeah, Eric, could. you're on board with with tier one just being Patrick Mahomes. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's the only one that's it's, that you can't question. I mean, maybe you could say someone like Russell Wilson. Being I was going to say Russell difficult. Wilson. I think is, okay. is a possibility. I, so, that was yeah, my yeah, immediate like, recoil. Let, let me make the let me make the 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 difference here for me. Russell Wilson takes sacks at at a a pretty high rate relative to Patrick Mahomes, and that to, like Patrick Mahomes does everything that Russell Wilson does, but just eliminates one of the biggest killers that you can have. Now, maybe that's, that's, he's helped by Andy Reed in the scheme to a certain extent. Sure. But that would be the way that I would put him ahead of Wilson. Wilson is currently since 2017, Wilson is the second most valuable player in the NFL um, behind Brady. Uh, Mahomes having missed one of those years is fourth. Right. I mean, the only reason I put Wilson in the same category because I'm thinking of it in terms of like, you're just not going to find someone better. Like there's not going to be someone better. So there's no point in looking until you're done with this quarterback. And I think that's like a hundred percent proposition with Wilson. In some ways, his age even feeds into that more because you're that much more certain of him. Confident, yeah. Whereas, whereas I don't think I could put anyone else other than Russell Wilson in that same category with, um, with Patrick Mahomes right now. Well, is age, is age an issue? I mean, cause the, cause if you ignored age, if you just said one game, I, I agree that Mahomes is obviously the one I would pick, but is Drew Brees, where is Brees factor in then? Well, okay, so so I would go, now I think we can split hairs between Wilson and Mahomes. Either way, you either, in my case, I have Mahomes tier one, Wilson tier two, and then I'm going to tier three. Or for you guys, it seems like you've got yeah. Mahomes and Wilson tier one, and then you're going to tier two, and, and that is where we're at right now. And the, the thing with Brees, and this is interesting, like if you if you go back and you look at uh, you know just grade over the past two seasons, you would say okay Drew Brees he's the highest graded is the highest PFF passing grade over that time, but it's mitigation of mistakes right he's just the most accurate guy in the NFL, but I think he's still got to be at the head of that that next tier. Yeah, I mean, the, the age thing comes into it. I'm saying we're not, I'm not penalizing Russell Wilson for being, you know, going, turning 42, but Breeze, I mean, 32, but Breeze is going to turn 42. Yeah. So uh, I think for that reason, I wouldn't, I, I am going to penalize him with age. Because I was thinking, like, if you're going to look for someone like a Jalen Hurts, I'm not going to penalize a 31 year old quarterback because Jalen Hurts' rookie contract is going to be done before Russell Wilson is 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 going to retire there's no doubt sure. about that now with someone like drew Brees, hey we may need to move on with him you know who knows it could be 10 games into the season it could be another another season and a half but it's probably somewhere in that range do you think he gets the do you think what if he has a season that is like 2015 peyton manning do they do they give uh do they give him the hook for for winston well if you're still competitive then, I, then maybe, yeah. I don't know. I mean, thing is, Peyton Manning had Peyton Manning had two different seasons in 2014. He was almost an MVP caliber quarterback to start the season, and then he was he was kind of like 2015 Peyton. So I don't know if the if the if it's going to come that quickly for Breeze in that system and the dome, all that stuff. Ho- hopefully not. So, but yeah. you're not making the argument that you wouldn't put Breeze in that next tier behind Wilson and Mahomes, right? You're just saying you wouldn't put him in the top tier. I mean, I, I, I'm less confident in what's going to happen with Drew Brees. So we were talking about, I mean, it all depends on the paradigm that we're looking at. I'm kind of looking at would 
would I, would I, do I think this guy might, we might need to replace this guy at some point because I'm, I'm uncertain about him. And I don't know, Breeze, I'm just not, I'm probably higher than, than most on, on Breeze, but I'm, I'm not convinced. He's just too old, basically, at this point to really be, to really be sold, I think, so, on him. To me, it's like, okay, this next tier, you know, after Wilson and Mahomes, no matter how you split those two, it's like, I am ecstatic about the person that's taking snaps for me, but there are question marks for one reason or another. And that's how I would go. Like I would put, I I think Watson and Brady and breeze can exist in like the same tier because there are questions. Now they're not the same questions, but there are questions, but I'm still, I'm hope I don't ever want to take this guy out of the game so long as he's healthy. What about, what about Matt Ryan? Does Matt Ryan go in that group? Have we been, have we, has Matt Ryan had his three consecutive seven and nine seasons like Drew Brees over the last couple of years? I would say yes. So, so is, cause in my opinion, I think Ryan is one of the most underrated players in football currently and probably well, I mean, I, deserves to be in that group in my, in my, but he's got issues, right? He takes too many sacks. He turns the ball over more than a brilliant quarterback should all that kind of stuff. I mean, you have these young guys. I think that's the problem. I mean, you mentioned Watson. So you have Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson, um, Kyler Murray, maybe, if you're interested in, in someone like that. So I do think there's a very interesting group of guys, but they're totally on the other end of the spectrum from your, your Brady's, your Breeze, even your Ryan's to some degree, where you have, you have certainty, but without upside. And with those other guys, you have a lot of flashes and upside without certainty. So it's kind of how you view those two different things. Okay, what about... so? Is Lamar Lamar's is Lamar in Jackson? Group. I mean, I mean, I think you have to. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you have to put him in there too. Just and, and there's a lot of uncertainty there, but for him, for me, it's about you know whether and like this sounds dumb, and I'm gonna you know, but like how sustainable the that particular offense is. But I think we had questions marks about you know uh, Wilson as well in that situation, and he evolved, and I think Jackson's probably a player who can evolve. Uh, okay. To be a you know critical player. Well, what about so, Watson or Lamar? Who, who who would you have higher? I think uh, that's an interesting I, question. I I think Watson just because um, mm. I I think the wow. I think going into last season Watson was clearly the better one, and Lamar got a ton of things go his way, and Watson frankly had a ton of things go against him. And while yes, they did cross paths, you know their their curves intersected. I think. In a neutral situation, I still would take Watson. Well, that but that's the tough thing. So the Watson has a skill set that allows him to handle the neutral situation, which the neutral situation is a bad situation, right? Because it basically says that the scheme and the coaching staff are not taking your talents and making the most out of them. And I would say that Lamar Jackson has been fantastic with the ultimate supporting cast around him in terms of the infrastructure that the Ravens have built. Whereas Deshaun Watson is dealing with GM Bill O'Brien, like who, you know, and I, I really like Bill O'Brien, the person, I think he's actually a, a pretty decent coach, but like they're, they have made some very questionable um, personnel decisions. And so one has almost been brought down a little bit. The other one's been, been pushed up. And if you give both their ultimate environment, does Watson, can he actually get to the Lamar Jackson level or is it just that he mitigates the risk? I mean, 
uh, it's just kind of it's kind of interesting. I think I have this weird thing where I think I lean Watson, but I also think I'm probably wrong. If that makes sense, you know, like there's there's just a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that it should be Lamar Jackson, but yet for some reason I, I lean Watson. So I don't know how to how to I do how think to Watson's far. I do think Watson's far from this perfect product that sometimes we right, elevate him exactly. to. He's flawed. He's definitely he, flawed. He has, he has games, and even games that they win, he has games where he doesn't play well for his extent. Like, you like talk the about Ravens the, game. The first Jacksonville game, he played like crap, and they you know they barely squeaked that one out. The, the playoff game was Buffalo. That offense couldn't move the ball in the first half. Uh, the Oakland game was another one. Like he, he has games where you're just like, oh, my goodness, like, He's not, he's not in, we talk about it and cause it's cause he's a winner and all this, he took down Alabama and all that kind of stuff. Like we, we have some biases uh, with respect to Watson, but I also think Lamar Jackson, we just have so so many fewer situations where he looks like a fish out of water and it might not be his doing. So I hate making this decision between the two. Uh, this is a great question. Um, I want to, I feel the same way. And I think the reason I feel the same way as you, Kev, is that the, I am guarding against the, the risk in Watson by taking him. I think I'm more um, immune to perturbations to, to borrow Eric's phrase uh, with Watson. And, and I just am not sure as much with Lamar Jackson, but like you'd be stoked with either one of those guys. I think it's, it's razor thin. I so just made a Twitter poll. We'll see. We'll we'll be more scientific about it. Well, who's we who's put, next of those young guys? Do you agree that maybe Kyler Murray is next of those young guys? I don't know. Well, though. But you're not putting Kyler Murray. So if we think about Watson and Jackson, I would certainly put in that next tier down. Right. I would not put Kyler Murray in there. I, I would not put right. you know Baker Mayfield in there, obviously. Right. But I'm curious about some of the the vets. So a guy we haven't okay. mentioned yet is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's becoming undervalued. <laughs> yeah, I think, Rod- I think it's I time to come back on Rodgers. I, would I love it when I can here. flip a take. If I can flip a take from being, you know, you know uh, Rodgers you- is so overvalued to Rodgers is undervalued, there's nothing I love more than doing I that. Heard, I heard a, well, I mean, it's basically, it's uh, it's like being a, a, sh- a gambler where you go out and you send <laughs> money in one direction in order right. to buy back on the other. Take but arbitrage. I saw a headline today, and I think it was, I don't want to get this wrong. I, I believe it was Coward and um, the, it's, uh, Jason Taylor's sister, right. Who, who is like the semi co-host there. And I can't remember her name, Taylor something. She's, she's actually really good. And she, um, she was saying, uh, that, you know, it's LaFleur that's sick of Rogers. That was like the headline that was on. I don't remember what she was exactly saying, but I saw the headline and I go, are you kidding me? Matt LaFleur is the one that got sick of Aaron Rodgers. Like this is, it should go the other way. Like Aaron Rodgers is the one, say what you want about what he's done over the past couple of years. Aaron Rodgers has the clout to be like, I'm sick of this guy. Yeah. And not the I, other way around. That's the, absurd. The, the Rodgers slander is so egregious. That, like not our, our, at this point, it was very instructive to point out the fact that Rodgers has not been an MVP caliber quarterback for, but I think even his biggest detractors would say that he is of that, of that power dynamic. Like Rodgers has so much more than LaFleur who has not guided a good offense at the NFL level yet. Joy Taylor, by the way, um, I didn't like, want to be, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the Rogers regression and I, and I think it's real. And I obviously like, 
you know, but I mean, the problem is they're going to have difficulty outperforming record wise what they did last season, no matter yes. what. Right. So yep. so there could be this, this situation where Rogers is playing better. The team is worse. And yet somehow it builds into this the situation where where people start talking about it. I mean, I think Roger, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, like this, this personality thing. There's obviously something to the, the Rogers personality issues. Right. So maybe they had enough of a window and they had enough of an excuse to point to the floor and this kind of imperial head coach model is becoming more and more popular. Um, maybe that's just why they're leaning into that as opposed to trying to make it about the front office or someone else. So the, right now you've got like a few, a little over a hundred votes. Watson is a slight lead. I would be really curious about this because I almost feel dirty picking Watson over Jackson for how good Jackson was, but I, and I'm trying to figure out what exactly it is. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't just be the playoff game, right? Cause like that playoff game was super fluky and, and it wasn't as though it was all on Lamar Jackson, right? Like those two fourth down things, like that's going to happen. Um, yeah, but he also, I mean, he had an issue in the playoff game, you know, against the chargers the previous year, you know, when they got behind against, uh, was it Cleveland, you know, that wasn't, you know, he, he's had, he's obviously we're, we're picking nits here, but like it, it I don't know. It, well, I mean, it came, okay, so here's like, for, for instance, the, a lot of the Rogers thing, while, while we, while we said he was overvalued is kind of, it's one of those situations where you're up. 17 points against the Packers in the late third quarter. You're still thinking, man, I'm scared. Like I'm scared. Aaron Rodgers. who knows what he can do. He can cut, he can do this and that with Lamar Jackson. Does he have one of those games? Does he have a game where he's been down multiple scores and he's just led his team back to victory? He, does, he doesn't have those types of things. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I think that's part of it. Whereas you've seen with Deshaun Watson, some crazy games, even the games against the saints, which they ended up losing that he can just lead you down the field and get that score when he needs to. He's had more of those opportunities. So I feel like, Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. He doesn't. He doesn't have that feeling, and that feeling sometimes outweighs the stuff that's ultimately more important, but is less of a "we need this right now." Can this quarterback do it? Uh, that's a good point, I, and I I almost think we overvalue Watson in that. Like they're both put in such different situations that it's it makes it so hard to pick one or the other because you want to say, well, how good would Watson be in that environment? How good would Jackson be in in a in Watson's environment? Um, like I I don't think Lamar Jackson would be as good as Deshaun Watson is if you were in Houston. I just don't. I don't think they would have changed the offense to the extent that they did in Baltimore. Um, and I think in Baltimore they would probably leverage Deshaun Watson a hell of a lot better. I, I think the there's no doubt about guy. that, given you know that they got a Super Bowl out of Joe Flacco. Right. Okay. The so, other interesting guy now, I think, is um, to, just to kind of like look at look at this next tier potentially no, no, is hold Dak on, Prescott. Hold on. We can't move past, <laughs> that. This is this is one I wanted to get to. Okay, so we're in okay. this big third tier. It's yeah. we're expanding pretty quickly here. We yeah. said Kyler Murray's not in it. We said some of those other young guys aren't in it. Dak and Wentz are the two guys that we haven't talked about yet. Right. Are either of those guys in this tier? No. To me, no. for me, no. Eric, I have to stay consistent. I think I think Dak is is more of who he was going into last year than who he was last year. So no, not no for either of them. Yeah, I mean they're close. This next tier is close, but that's where that's where we're going to get to Kyler. We're going to get to those guys. Um, 
I don't know if we're going to get to Baker. We might get to Baker. I think I, th- I would get, get to Baker, but you know, I feel like a lot of people are very low on him. So I could go either way with him. Um, the, those guys are all going to be in that next tier, in my opinion. Okay. Is there anyone that we've missed here? I, I think Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers were guys that would have been in here a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, I agree that they're not in here now. So, okay. So we're moving to tiers, basically three slash four for me. It's four. Cause I split the two at the top. For right. you guys, it's tier three. So Dak and Wentz both in there. We have to ask this question now. Would you rather have Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz? I mean, this is this is this, I'm, I'm still I'm still sticking with Wentz actually on this. I know most people are on are on Dak. Um, Dak's another interesting guy. I almost flipped the take on Dak because last year I was kind of like, Hey, he's, he's better than, you know, a lot of people did not like him that much. And now this year I'm like, well, let's, let's calm down a little bit going into this season. So I I think I still lean Wentz, although the injury stuff is, is tough. I I think, I think when you look at the, when you look at quarterbacks who are similar to each other, I think you always almost always fade the previous season. So I'm going to go with Wentz. I'm there too. Now it's funny. Uh, and I've said Eric, I've I, said Prescott to the same answer before, and yeah, I, we were. So we I were go back and at, forth. Uh, Prime Steakhouse in <laughs> yes. Indy, and you said you said Prescott. I, I would go Wentz too, um, and it's the same reason that you just said. I thought Dak had an ideal situation last year. Carson Wentz had one of the worst, and um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Wentz. Okay, so both those guys are in this tier. Are we putting um, Jimmy G in this tier? Not for no. me. Are we putting Haters. Kirk Cousins in this tier? That's no question. Not you cannot me. put Kirk no. Cousins in here. And I put, put Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins together in the next tier. That's I what think. I'm saying. But like that's that's what I mean. I think they're both unfortunately earmuffs, George. I think they're similar. <laughs> and I like I, I I would rather have Jimmy G, but but I don't. I think they have to be clustered together. Yeah, I would put Jared Goff in there too. Jared Goff. Yep, I'd agree. Where? Uh, yeah. So who's in the Dak Wentz group then? Kyler, for me. You're going to okay. put Kyler in there already. Kyler and Baker yes. by virtue I mean, of their draft I, Whatever. I mean, this is a risk. It's a, it's a, this is a you know it's a risky proposition, but I think he has more upside. I think he has he has almost tier one upside, like in some sure. ways. But we're talking about but those guys like, don't right. The uh, the poll right now, slight lead to who? Watson. Yeah. I think that's our listenership a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people are skeptical of of uh, of Lamar Jackson, I feel like. But anyway, I don't want to get, go back to Lamar Jackson okay. again. But I, no, I definitely think Kyler is in there because let's compare him to the next tier then. So, like, isn't it easy to say Kyler over... Uh, over Jimmy G, Kyler over Kirk Cousins, Kyler over Jared Goff. I mean, those are like no-brainer decisions, right? This this year, I would say uh, that's not no-brainer. If you have to stick with this guy for perpetuity, I think it's closer to. But we still don't know a lot about Kyler. That we are giving him a lot of credit for the, that team going from god awful to not god awful. Right, like that's that's what it was. It wasn't impressive last year. Now he's did he, playing with trash, though. Right? I agree. As a rookie, but, I'm, but I'm saying there's so much unknown still. Like he you're did kind him. of play with trash, though. That team was like that team gained like a <laughs> yard and really yards trash. per play. Yeah, 
Right. Mean, they were a then, horrible offense in 2018. And granted, in, clean, in 2018, they were literally saying, like, what should we do on this play? And then doing the exact opposite. It was like, oh, we should throw. Remember the when they ran Chase Edmonds on a fourth and one because David Johnson looked didn't look he missed it, a like, block like two plays yeah, before. It was an, a, yeah, so a, to me, that's just re- that was just regression. Now, I'm I'm very bullish on Kyler Murray, but it wasn't as though he wasn't fantastic last year. He had nothing to work with. So to me, it's it's the same as I have a really hard time putting Kyler anywhere ahead of Baker with any sort of certainty. Um, well, I would put Baker in that same tier. So I think if I was going to do it, I would say Wentz, Dak. Well, see, I, Kyler, I might even put Kyler like with those guys. And then Baker wow. slightly lower, but in the same tier. And you're going to kick Cousins and Jimmy G out of there. Yes. They're, they're gone. <laughs> Sorry. Kirk Cousins. The Kirk Cousins slander is always welcome on this podcast. But you, the, know, you know so much more about those guys. I, I have an easier time putting Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins in that same tier and then putting Baker and Kyler in there as well and just saying, hey, these are guys that right now are mid-tier, you know, mid, basically average quarterbacks, and they could go either way pretty sharply. I guess. I mean, we're trying to – I mean, I'm maybe valuing a little bit more like – could you win a championship with this quarterback sort of question? And then, yeah, has, if they flame out, then yeah. Then, then, yeah, because then. that's the ultimate thing about like Garoppolo and Cousins. It's like if if they're if they have the ball with four minutes left, I don't know, say in the Super Bowl, like I'm a little bit, I'm like, I'm kind of not, I'm kind of nervous. I was nervous both ways, but like but I'm you're not nervous. nervous with Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. No, if those Lentz quarterbacks end up being playing like, 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 Kevin said the distribution is so much wider. That's the thing. Yeah. If they end up being their 90th, the 90th percentile for Cousins is still a guy who can't win the big one, right? The 90th percentile for Jimmy G is still a guy who sort of needs things to be perfect to have a good team. The 90th percentile for Murray is the is the aforementioned Wilson, right? Like that's that's where I that's where I side with Kevin here. I'm putting I put Baker up there too. I I don't think Baker's second season uh, should overshadow his first and the fact that his first was better than Kyler's uh, you know works in his benefit in my estimation but I mean Jimmy G started for a season and a half Did he have less starts than Baker he's he has to, okay yeah. I mean sure he's older though right like there's okay I, I guess okay I would cut off the tier to say like okay these guys I think Dak Wentz Kyler and Baker, they could all end up being much, much, much better than than what we think at this point. Whereas I think in the next tier, I'm just less sold on the upside for for those guys. So that's why I would I would tier the the other guys. It's upside season. I I can get on board with that. Anyone else that we forgot to mention that should be put in either of those tiers? Like, would you throw Derek Carr in with Cousins and um, uh, Garoppolo? I mean, Goff. I would say is more cousins and Garoppolo than he is the guys ahead of him. I think Carr goes, I think Carr is less than those two players. Yeah. Could be I, I put, I put Carr yep. in the next tier down. I'm with you. What about Stafford? Stafford is um, Stafford to me is cousins Garoppolo plus in my opinion, but I could be, yeah, wrong. I think he'd be in the top of that tier. I put him in the top of that tier. Uh, Jameis. <laughs> Obviously, I'm almost flipping a take with Javis here. I was higher on him last year than I am this year. I don't know. I, I mean, he's – I just wish, like – because here's the thing with Jameis. So I thought going into last year, I'm like, hey, listen, new system, Arians, 
you know, I think he's been good. I think he's always going to be a guy that's going to get you maybe a little bit better than average performance from these type of metrics, but the interceptions and the stuff like that just hurts. Like it just hurts so badly that maybe he could turn things around and he really did exactly, you know, what he's been doing for years. So in some ways I became a little bit lower on him because he was just the same guy again, going forward. So I, I would, I, I would put him, you know, maybe in that tier, but it's just like, it's just such a wild card. I mean, Jameis did set a career high in like yards for Pat. Like he had a good season. If you ignore the intercept, like obviously we can't ignore the intercept. He always has a good season. If you ignore the interceptions though, that's the thing. That's right. Phenomenal. And it's at this Glass point, like if you cut, view. if you cut Jameis's age by five years, he's in that same group as, as uh, you know, Mayfield and, and Murray and stuff. But the problem is, is you can't. So I he's think he's a little bit for a long just time. You can't hashtag trust him. That guy's thrown a lot of passes and been the same guy the entire time. I mean, the yeah. LASIK though, LASIK factor. If that ends up, if that ends up uh, like fixing him in any sort of way, then people are going to be rushing, rushing to get the surgery. Eric's going to have even more regret than he already did. Uh, all right. That was a lot of fun. Um, we ended up talking less about Hertz maybe than, than we intended to. Uh, what do you think? I, like, I think let's get out of here on this. What is the most likely outcome two, three years from now with the Jalen Hurts thing when we look back on it? Uh, well, this is, this, this is interesting because I think like, this plays into a larger philosophy sort of thing on the draft is that I think the most likely outcome is that it ends up being kind of like a wasted pick, right? That, that's the most likely outcome, but that doesn't mean it's a bad pick in the same way that people judge a Derek Brown pick or an early running back pick by this hit or bust metric and don't think about those things. You're not thinking about hit or bust. So if you view this on a hit or bust sort of sort of rate, like the likelihood that he's the Carson Wentz gets injured and he has a meaningful role um, and it ends up leading to something or that he ends up being better than Carson Wentz, which is this huge upside scenarios are unlikely. So I think it's, it's unlikely, but extremely high upside. I have a hard time. I, I think he starts maybe five ish games. Thanks to injury. And I have a hard time seeing him not do well enough to at least recoup a second round pick, if not a first round pick. Uh, that he, he does a lot of things really well. He throws the ball accurately. Uh, he can run. He's a great person. Uh, those things will be amplified if he has any kind of success on the field. You know this. So I, I think at the very least, they recoup value for him. Uh, and on average, I think, I think Carson Wentz stays healthy and is a top 10-ish guy. So they probably move on from Hurts. Um, I think he has a long career. And, yeah. and only because I've seen guys like Chase Daniel have a long career. Uh, Josh McCown, bless his heart. Like all the guys who like are great teammates at the backup quarterback position who also have a sneaky athleticism in the case of McCown or B are just like, you know, have been able to learn. Like he, he learned two systems during his college career. That's also a, you know, uh, an un, you know, under, you know, a variable that's being, you know, underweighed. So I, I think he has a long career as a backup at worst, frankly, I, maybe even like a Tyrod Taylor, like Tyrod Taylor sat behind Flacco for four years. Right. And, showed an, enough in preseason to get a chance with Buffalo and Taylor's going to have, I mean, he's already been in the league for 10, like Taylor's going to have a 15 year career. I'm with you. I think, yeah, it's I think people be- also underestimate like how big of a rushing factor Hertz can be. If you watch those, those games, I mean, he took a lot of punishment and he, 
he kind of can at 6'1", 220 something pounds. I don't know. There are few quarterbacks who are truly built like running backs, and he nope. he really is. So I think people underestimate kind of the punishment that he can that he can take. He had to win close games at Oklahoma in part because a like Lamb was hurt for a decent amount of time, and their defense was horrible. And so he, in many ways, we talked about Lawrence and Fields. In many ways, he was tested in big games, kind of more, uh, you know, than those other guys, um, which will just be interesting. I think like he he's had a varied career at the college level, which I think points to his benefit. This was fun, uh, Kev. What are you working on right now that people can look forward to? Uh, I got a piece. Hopefully, it'll come out today. I tried to get a I tried to get a similarly good title, but I couldn't really get a great one. It was basically like the Saints' future, uh, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. No, it's Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Wow. Quarterback by committee. What do you think you're about really, that? You're really leaning in. I I love it. Uh, it's great. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Um, everyone, go check that out when it comes out. Read the Jalen Hurts piece. Be be passionate about it one way or the other. But I really don't care. Cab, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it, brother. All right, thanks, guys. Kev Cole at Kevin Cole PFF. I think I'm getting that correct. Uh, so follow him on Twitter. He's he's the man writing some really good stuff for us. That was fun. That was that was a blast. I like doing the the interview thing. Yeah, it's a good idea. I think when we look at uh, sort of <clears throat> ways to pass the time, it's it's always good to have uh, our own opinions sort of uh, merged with that of somebody uh, you know that isn't always on the show. So I have two. Uh, pitches for you one is not really a pitch for you it's just anyone listening um what we're going to start doing i think is uh is trying to get the listeners involved a little bit more so um throw out some ideas i would love to hear your ideas in the form of a podcast review so leave a five-star review with either a question that you'd like answered a topic that you'd like us to to discuss and if we pick yours uh, obviously hear about it on the podcast and I want to give away some, some PFF merch or uh, an edge subscription. So um, depending on whether you have a subscription or not, you can choose to get an edge subscription or you can get some merchandise. Uh, so leave a five-star review um, and uh, we'll pick one and we will shout you out and use that topic. Or can we also pick a bad one? We can't. But it has bad to be ones five, give me life. Have to has to be a five star review. So if it's a five star review, I'll check it out. It can be something funny. It can be a question. It can be an idea. We'll talk about it. Um, get those up there. My next thing is a pitch to you, which is I've enjoyed doing the interview things. We're going to be in the off season where it's going to be harder to do stuff twice a week. And I thought, what if we picked people for the other person to interview? Okay. I, I'm, pl- I'm workshopping it here. I came, I, it came to me this morning and I was like, that I really enjoy listening to you when you are talking on other people's podcasts and it's an interesting conversation. You have maybe lied to me and said the same thing about me, <laughs> but it's, I think we can workshop that in a way where it allows us to create more content. Um, and I think it would be interesting. So like, uh, like assignments, Kind of. Yeah. Like we, we come together, we get together, you know, at the beginning of each week and we think maybe two weeks down the road and we kind of plan out, you know, we do one interview with us two and the other person, but then we also pick some solo uh, missions. I I don't hate it. I think it'd be fun. Um, it, It also, again, like, I don't know if more content is better, but different 
content if, if it, more content if it's different is probably yes. the best solution that, that's what i'm getting at it allow or at least keep the same amount of content but make it more interesting and diverse anyways we'd love so, to hear so, some ideas so like aaron nagler is my first interview Great. is what you're saying that that's fair that's the joy that's the beauty of it it, yeah. it forces us to think outside the box do i have uh, to go on cheesehead tv as a, like a as a uh reciprocity like how does that work i i thought about making some of the ideas that came to my mind were non-football people that have horrific political takes. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, but, uh, I had an innocuous tweet, I thought, about caring about co- the collective and a, fr- a friend from a, a competing sister website. I, I, I came back to my Twitter with like to 10 uh, messages from that person. I was like, okay, that's why I don't tweet as much about real things anymore. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe uh, on Monday, uh, just spitball some ideas. What about what about Bruce? We haven't talked to him in a little while. We should have Bruce on the show. Uh, Bruce is Bruce was terrific yesterday in the happy hour. Um, he's uh, I, I tweeted that today that you know Andy Dalton should thank Bruce for teaching him everything he, he knows. Um, uh, Bruce is great, and he's got great stories, and he and he also knows quite a bit about the quarterback position, which um, you know I think is invaluable to us. So. It's fun. This was a blast. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate all of you guys. Uh, Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Hopefully, we'll get uh, your thoughts up on the podcast on Monday. Have a great weekend. Peace out, guys.